Lord, thank you for the special day that we're gathered together in your name. Thank you that you've given us your word, and your word sets us free. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So this weekend is really an unusual weekend because Jews all over the world are gathering together to talk about a little Jewish boy who was born. On, uh, and we read about it this time of year, it's uh, baby Moses. And Christians all over the world are gathering together tonight and tomorrow to talk about another Jewish baby who was born, baby Jesus. And Messianic Jews are trying to figure out what to do. So I have a clear proposition. Let's remember Moses and Jesus, or by their given names, Moshe and Yeshua. And we will actually participate in something that may happen only once in a lifetime. Because you know that December 25th comes every year on the same day. How many of you are aware of that? Not on the same day of the week, but it's always on the 25th. And Christmas Eve is always on the 24th. But the Jewish cycle of reading from Torah moves around because it's, it's a lunar calendar. And it's not according to the secular calendar. And do you know when the last time was that Jews were reading from Parshat Shemot, the beginning chapters of Exodus that talk about Moses' birth, on Friday night and Saturday, when that Friday night was Christmas Eve and that Saturday was Christmas Day. The last time this happened was in 1937, 73 years ago. And so this may be only a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that Christians are gathering together and talking about the birth of Jesus while Jews are talking about the birth of Moses. And Messianic Jews are talking about it all together. Of course, you understand that Christmas Eve can take place on a Friday night roughly once every seven years. But because of the Torah reading cycle moving the way it does, it only hits like once in a lifetime that Parshat Shemot and Christmas Eve, Christmas Day happen on the same day. So you might look at the person next to you and see how old they are. Because if they're as old as I am, this may be the last time in your lifetime this happens. Last year at Christmas time, I started reading in the Gospels, especially in the book of Luke, and I was paying very close attention to Mary's song. And I, I, want to, I want you to read something with me. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 1. We'll start in verse, verse 46. To set the stage, this is called in the Latin-speaking world the Magnificat. Because when this passage was translated from Hebrew into Latin, uh, Magnificat becomes one of the most important words at the very beginning. In other places, it's called the Song of Mary. But do you know that Mary's name wasn't Mary? How many of you are aware of that? Her name was Miriam, just like the sister of Moses, and just like my grandmother. My grandmother's name was Miriam, good Jewish name. 
And Miriam was gathering together with her cousin Elizabeth, and they were both pregnant. They were talking about what God was doing in them and what he would do through the children that they were each about to bear. And Miriam sings a song that starts in verse 46. And she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Remember, she's also speaking in Hebrew, not in English. So these aren't her exact words. They're translations. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And then the next two verses really captured my attention. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So as I read this last year, and I've been thinking about it and praying about it for an entire year, I was just touched by something, that Miriam had joy because of the good news of her soon-to-be-born child, and she was moved to worship. You know, sometimes... People barely give thanks when something good has happened to them or some blessing comes to them. But Miriam shows what the righteous do. The righteous give thanks to God in anticipation of what God is going to do. Miriam worships even before the child is born. And I think it's important to notice the content of her worship because she's proclaiming the faithfulness of the God of Israel to his people. She is declaring that God is still showing mercy to the Jewish people. And she worships, if you noticed, by calling God her Savior. In verse 46, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So already Miriam knows that God is our Savior. And that's because she's been shaped by Tanakh. She has read what the psalmist says and what the prophets say because they describe God as the Savior. And it's important for you and me to remember the many ways that God saves us. He saves us from sin. He saves us from slavery. In fact, many times when the scriptures talk about God being our savior, it's in direct relationship to coming out of Egypt and into a relationship with God where at Sinai he gives his Torah. So he saves us also from slavery that's spiritual and slavery that's physical. He saves us from empty lives. He saves us from our enemies. He saves us from destruction. He saves us from eternal death. Isaiah 45, verse 15, has this remarkable statement. Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. How many of you have experienced God hiding himself? You had to look for him. He says, if you'll look for me and search for me with all of your heart, then I will reveal myself to you. 
Well, Miriam reflects on God's salvation as she's worshiping, and she concludes her song with this confident affirmation that God is still faithful to Israel. She says in verse 54, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. You see, she understood God is not finished with Israel. There are times when Christmas, the Christmas story is being told, and it's being told in such a way that it sounds like God now is finished with the Jewish people, finished with Israel, and Sometimes people say that Jesus fulfilled everything and all that Jewish stuff is behind us. How many of you have heard that? Now let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 4. It, it speaks of Joseph. And this is Joseph, the husband of Miriam. And it says that he also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, and this is for the census, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So Joseph is actually a descendant of King David's. And Bethlehem is a very important city. In fact, it's, it's rich in Jewish history. Rachel was buried there. Her tomb is still there. And Boaz, how many of you know who Boaz is? Raise your hand if you know who he is. Well, he was, a, he was the man who married Ruth when they moved back, when Ruth and Naomi moved back to Israel, and they moved where? To Bethlehem. And so Boaz was a Bethlehemite, and when Ruth and Boaz had, had children and grandchildren, they stayed in Bethlehem. I mean, they were born there and they lived there. They were raised there. And so some of the descendants of Ruth and Boaz are really important. Jesse, or Yeshai, was the father of the next person, and that is David, who became the king of Israel and to whom was promised a descendant who would be Mashiach, Messiah, the anointed one. In fact, Micah, the prophet Micah prophesies that Messiah will come from Bethlehem and refers to him as a descendant of King David. So it's with that in mind that Luke is writing that it's significant that Joseph goes to this place, Bethlehem, and that in Bethlehem we find out that is where Yeshua is born. He could have been born in Nazareth, but he wasn't because the census forced Joseph to go back to his ancestral homeland and to be counted there among uh, the members of his tribe. Now, there are times when God is at work through inconvenient circumstances there are situations that don't make any sense, and there are times when God is doing something, but you don't even know he's doing it until after the fact when you can look back. And maybe you found yourself in situations where it's just inconvenient uh, what you're doing and what you have to do, and you might not even realize that God knows how to master the inconvenient in your life. It was inconvenient for Joseph to go to Bethlehem. It was difficult to find a place to stay, as you know from the story. 
But it was inconvenient because they had to go a long way with a pregnant woman. And even going a short distance with a pregnant woman is not so easy. Can you imagine having to deal with your very pregnant wife who was, quote, great with child? And the news is, honey, we have to go. And we have to go to Bethlehem of all places. Well, where are we staying? Mm, You know, I couldn't make reservations. But we'll find somewhere. So in all of that inconvenience, God is at work. And he's at work to fulfill something. And that is the promise to David. That is also a promise to Ruth. That is for the sake of all Israel. And that is a descendant of King David will be born, not just anywhere, but somewhere specific, in Bethlehem. For the sake of Israel, and we know now for the whole world. Well, let me make some comments about this time of year because uh, it's good for us to think about how to how to think about Christmas time. And I'm going to I'm going to share with you some thoughts that I have that come from my little Jewish heart if you don't mind, because I've realized that many anti-Semites have turned Miriam and Yeshua into non-Jews or former Jews. And they've stripped away their actual Jewish identity, which the scripture clearly describes. I mean, you don't have to be a Messianic Jew. You don't have to be Jewish to think correctly that Miriam was a Jew that Joseph was a Jew, in fact, that Yeshua was a Jew. But I've noticed that there are some people who say, well, they used to be Jewish. About about Yeshua, even about the apostles. You know, as if being Jewish was a uh, terrible condition that they finally overcame. But I'm convinced that everyone who strips away the Jewish identity of Yeshua or strips away the Jewish identity of Miriam and others is guilty of something we can all understand in this modern day, and that is identity theft. They are taking the true identities that belong to a person and misusing them or counterfeiting them or using them in some way for illicit purposes. So I think that this is a season for boldly declaring Jewish identity, just like Miriam did when she was proclaiming that God is faithful to her as a Jew, to Abraham, to all of Israel. And her song about the joy of the son to be born to her was connected to her Jewishness. It was not divorced from it. It was rooted in her own Jewishness. Now, I have to tell you, I grew up in Roanoke, Virginia. And there were two times of year that were particularly anti-Semitic. And they were Easter and guess what? Christmas. That's right. Now, at Easter, even my friends, my little Christian friends seem to rejoice in sharing the bad news with me. The bad news was something like this. You're a Jew. It's like, yes. 
And that was like bad rather than good news. Second thing, you killed Christ. And I always thought, I wasn't even there. <laughs> and then the third part of the bad news is you're going to hell. And, you know, that never provoked me to jealousy. It just provoked me. So this happened all the time at Easter. I don't know what they were hearing in their churches or what they were hearing at home, but I don't think they were hearing Mary is Magnificat and this declaration of God's faithfulness to Israel. At Christmas, it was just more of the same, and it was really a tough time for Jewish kids, and it was an us or them situation. And for me, I grew up with a strong Jewish identity, a Jewish lifestyle, two Jewish parents, four Jewish grandparents, and then you can go back even further. And my parents were so assertive in their Jewishness that when the kids in my school were preparing for their Christmas pageant, I did not go for the preparations. I sat in the classroom by myself as did each of my siblings, just waiting for pageant rehearsal to be over, and we didn't attend those. And so, guess who knew in my school who were the Jews? Answer, everyone. And so it was easy to single us out, and with a name like David Levine, it's hard to hide. Well, I've been wondering how would things be different if everyone stopped on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and took time to worship the God of Israel and to say something at their Christmas services about God's faithfulness to Israel, to thank him for his faithfulness to Abraham and all of the Jewish people, and to honor God for still keeping faith with Israel, and to worship him for still keeping covenant with the Jewish people. Now, right before I came, I I got this uh, blip on my computer. It was very interesting. It was the text to Pope Benedict's Christmas Eve homily in Rome tonight. And amazingly enough, he stops and declares that God is faithful to Israel. It was wonderful. I'll, I'll read the text tomorrow so you can hear about it. But I, I think it could change the world from a Christian point of view if, if Christians would actually proclaim to one another that God loves the Jewish people on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And not to say that God fulfilled everything in Jesus, but that as even the Pope says, God sums up his covenant commitment to Israel in the Messiah. There's a difference. You know why? Because when people hear fulfill, they think bring to an end. And sum up is a very sensitive way of saying it, it brings into fullness and summarizes and makes visible God's faithfulness to Israel. Well, Many times in Messianic congregations, we're not even sure what to do with the Christmas holidays. Uh, Some of us are tempted to ignore them, but, you know, that doesn't really work. There are many intermarried couples, and so, you know, it's part of your life. As well, there are many people whose families celebrate Christmas. And in fact, this 
is a time of the year when the world stops, at least, you know, the much of the world, in uh, the Orthodox Christian part of the world, they wait until January, but here in uh, America and many other places, it's, it's right now, Christmas uh, Eve is the 24th, Christmas Day is the 25th, and it's like the world stops to tell the story of the Messiah. And so there's great potential in this time if we make this our purpose too. So some people are tempted to not even have services like this on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or even to cancel Shabbat services, you know, saying, oh, no one's going to come. It's Friday night and Christmas Eve. You really think people will come to services? I congratulate you for being here tonight, and I thank you for being here. And some people, I even know a a few Messianic congregations that canceled their Saturday services and then they rescheduled something until uh, Saturday evening when they're having a Jewish Christmas, which means that they're eating Chinese food and watching a movie together. But I think this, that misses a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity if, if only once in 73 years. The story of Moses, the Redeemer from Egypt, and the story of Yeshua, the Redeemer of all mankind from sin and death, is told on exactly the same day. Don't you think we should get together? Because every Jewish kid is taught about the story of the birth of Moses. And every Christian child is taught about the birth of Jesus. Am I right? So don't you think in a Messianic congregation we should know both these stories? I think so. So I'm not tempted to ignore these things. I'm not tempted to cancel services. I was going to come even if it was me, by myself. And I want to use this time to worship God our Savior. And I hope on this Shabbat, on this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, your heart will be glad like Miriam's heart was when she thought about Messiah. And I hope you'll take time to thank God, our Savior. Tomorrow, when I have more time, I want to share about the insights from Simeon or Shimon, that righteous man of Israel who looked at the little baby Yeshua who was brought in to the temple for the redemption of the firstborn and realized who he was and was so happy to see this child before he had done anything that he began to worship God and say, you can take me now. Everything is full. He had revelation about the faithfulness of the God of Israel. Well, I don't know how you greet one another. We've been working on different ways. The, the classic Israeli-Hebrew way to, to greet one another at a time like this is Chag Molad Sameach, which means, uh, and the order isn't the same as in English, but it means happy day of the birth. The only problem is if you say that to Israelis, they still won't know what you're talking about. Because Christmas is not a Jewish holiday, and, you know, it's like, day of birth, I don't know what that is. And so, of course, there is the classic version of Christmas Sameach, that, with a ch, 
at the beginning. But here's another way. Yom HaMashiach Sameach. Happy Day of Messiah. And so I'm using that this year. You use whatever you like. Some people say, well, you don't want to disturb Jewish people during Christmas and I, you know, by saying such things. And let me tell you this. I work out with uh, a number of Jewish doctors and other professionals. And last year, one of them was, who, who's not normally a happy person, was smiling. And so I wanted to know what was like on his mind. And he said, well, this is the day when we decorate my, my office. He's a doctor uh, for Christmas. And I looked at him like, you decorate your office for Christmas. He says, oh, yeah, it's like the best time of the year. <laughs> because some Jewish people think this is like your second Thanksgiving. It's another American holiday. But some others will say, this is the one time of the year when people are talking about peace on, they're talking about peace on earth and goodwill to men. And they're talking about you know, laying down hatred and, and remembering the goodness of God. And so there are a lot of Jewish people who, who are happy uh, to, to be greeted. You can greet them any way you want. But I encourage you, be bold. Be clear. And, and do something this weekend. Take time to think about what the birth of Messiah means to you. And take to heart what Miriam recognized, that God is still faithful to the Jewish people. And make sure, this is my challenge to you, make sure you tell someone this Christmas about the faithfulness of God to Israel. And if all you do is open up the book of Luke, chapter 1, and start in those verses that I just read to you, and you read down to where Mary Miriam starts proclaiming God's faithfulness to Israel. If that's all you do, it could be enough. And as you visit with family and friends over the holiday, I want to encourage you to give them something to think about. Don't argue over Christmas trees. And don't argue over stuff. But say something that is able to touch hearts, like Mary did, like Miriam said, that I know for sure now that God is faithful, that God, our Savior, is faithful to Israel. It's not that he was faithful. It's not that one day he will be faithful again. It's he is still faithful to Israel. Let that be part of your message. You'll provoke other people. To think the way Miriam thought. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Yom HaMashiach, for the day of Messiah. We are, we are proud that we can be named by his name. And we are proud to name his name. And to declare that Yeshua is Messiah for Israel and for every nation on the earth. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son because you love the whole world. And that everyone who would put their trust in him and be faithful to him will live and have everlasting life and not perish. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you stand up and gather together with family and friends? No one be alone. Yivarechecha Adonai, v'yishmarecha. 
Ye'er Adonai Penavelecha Vichunecha, Yisa Adonai Penavelecha, Vayasemlecha Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace on this Erev HaMashiach, this evening of Messiah. Amen.